This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Cool. Does it show it's recording on your side as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And alongside me today, we have a very special person for a great interview, Barbara Crampton. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Um, Pretty much, there's a question that we always ask our guests. Uh, we usually oh. ask at the very end, but I think it's very important that we ask this first off. Okay. Um, one of our main questions with our podcast in general, with Nightlight, we always want to ask, why horror? You uh-huh. being like a horror queen, you've been in the horror game for such a long time. And mm. I know you took a little bit of a break and now you're back in full action. You're doing a bunch of movies. You did a lot of movies last year, like Superhost, uh, mm-hmm. Jacob's Wife, which is great. It's one of my favorite yeah. movies of 2021. Thanks. And now this one, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But why horror? Why is horror so important for you? Well, um, you know, horror is something that grew on me over time. I didn't expect that I was going to live and breathe horror for most of my career. But it was something in the early part of my career that I was lucky enough to work in, in films like Reanimator from Beyond with Stuart Gordon, um, while continuing to do a few other things and throughout my early career, and then slowly realized that, oh, more and more people are interested in me for roles in the horror genre. So I'm really gonna look at this a little bit more. Um, and what I came to realize, and and since becoming a fan, I'd say over the last maybe, you know, maybe 15 to 20 years is that horror is the genre that deals with the basis of emotions and that's fear. And we all love to go towards love. We all love to go towards laughter, 
but fear is something in life that naturally repels us. And we try to do anything so that we don't feel those feelings. But what I think horror does is provide a service for people because when you're doing a horror movie, you're, you're explaining what the fear is, you're showing it, you're showcasing it, and you're giving an audience an opportunity to really look fear in the face and understand it. A lot of times uh, with certain movies, you will see where the protagonist overcomes whatever crisis has befallen them. And then you, you feel like, well, you could be a survivor too. You could be um, a strong person. You could, you could be a worthy uh, opponent for your adversary. And I also think that um, horror movies also deal with the opposite of fear and that's empathy and understanding why these things happen to us and why scary things are occurring in life. So I feel like um, horror fans and people who love horror, horror are the most self-actualized people because we really are, we are unafraid. I mean, because we deal with it and we see it all the time and, and we show up. And, and so I feel, you know, proud to be a member of a group that I didn't realize that I belonged to probably until maybe 20 years ago, uh, even though I started working in the genre, like more than 35 years ago, but I've de definitely developed an appreciation for horror and a love for horror. And this is my life and this is where I am. And I'm, I'm proud and happy to be here. I love your answer. You're making me smile so much because I feel the same way, honestly. Um, horror is one of those genres that can dive into a lot of different subgenres, right? You can have that romantic side. You can have a comedy in there, mm -hmm. action packed. True, that's true. At too, the yeah. same time, mm -hmm. like you said, you're facing fear. And that's something mm -hmm. we do in our own daily lives, right? We always go through stuff and obstacles and stuff that we have to like face where seeing these characters overcome that or don't overcome that that gives yeah. a reality of the world of like, this is something other people are going through. And it's also very symbolic. Um, that's why I love for myself, psychological horror, because it has something to deep down of mm -hmm. what's in your mind, something that yeah. people can't really see. But then right. we actually see these characters experience that. And we do see that in the alone with you as well. Which yeah. Is I feel like we're in a big Renaissance with um, psychological horror too. There's been, oh, yeah. been some great TV shows that have dealt with that. And some great recent movies, you know, when I grew up in the eighties, it was more splattery and um, special effects driven. And, and now I feel like it's all about the mind and the feelings and the notions of people and what's inside them and what drives them. And I think it's helping us to understand ourselves better by watching these movies too. Yeah. The mind is a scary place and <laughs> facing that is also a good thing. It helps us as individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, and you touched upon it a little bit, but my next question is like, how do you feel about the horror community? And we got that a little bit from you. Um, yeah. And I have to give a huge shout out to you. You're very involved. You're very interactive with like social media on Twitter, uh, supporting other uh, indie creators and filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And I love that. The, the way I see the horror community is like a family, essentially. Yeah. Everyone's mm -hmm. super supportive. Everyone's mm -hmm. there for you. And they're the most accepting and best community I've ever been a part of. And I love yeah. that I hear that you feel the same type of way. I do. Yeah. I, yeah. I like, I like to cheer other creators on and especially younger people who are coming up with the genre and trying to make their mark. And I've worked with a lot of first time filmmakers. Stuart Gordon was a first time filmmaker when I worked with him and, and Adam Wingard wasn't really a first time filmmaker, but he 
had done a, a, a few movies that weren't really mainstream at that right. point. And your next was the first thing he did that was more mainstream. And then his career has gone on to be like ridiculously great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I worked recently with Brandon Christensen, who's a young creator who was working with Colin Minahan at the beginning of his career. And now he's directing his own movies. And um, I really feel fortunate to have worked with him. And and I kind of feel the same way about Emily Bennett and Justin Brooks, even though this was their first movie alone with you that we're talking about today. Um, I feel like they're not going anywhere. It, it you know, it, this is a strong debut from them. And I I was sent the script. Um and I, you know, I didn't know them from Adam, but I did know some people that were producing the movie, Andrew Corkin and Theo James, who have done a, a bunch of movies in the genre. We are what we are, which I loved. And Martha Marcy Maymaline or something like that. And Theo James had been an actor in the Divergent movies. And so I thought, wow, you know, these people I trust and they put out good work. And, and then I read the script and I knew that they had some other cast members. I don't know how they got these people, but Emma Miles and Dora Madison. And, and then they asked me, you know, to play the mom role and I read it and I thought the script was great and talked to them and they were amazing. And every once in a while you see these new creators um, come on the scene, like Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And you just know yeah. from their, from their first debut that they, they have a vision, they have something to say and, and they're not, copying anybody else and they're forging their own way. And I really felt that about this duo, even before I work with them. And then, you know, I filmed my part and then seeing the movie, I really, I was very impressed with them. Yeah. I have to agree with alone with you. This movie seems very familiar, but at the same time, very special in its own way. There's a very mm -hmm. distinct signature to this movie where I haven't seen before. And I saw this early on in like bright early morning and it still scared the shit mm -hmm. out of me. And I was just mm -hmm. like, yes, this is great. This is awesome. And I have to give it a great applause to the cast because you right. guys all nailed it. The acting is phenomenal in here. And Emily Bennett. And especially from Emily, job. right? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's a just, scream queen for sure. Well, I don't know. I, I take issue with that term scream queen. I don't know if you've yeah. ever read the article I wrote, Don't Call Me a Scream Queen. Oh, no. Okay. She's I'm going to send it to you. Icon. Yes, please. <laughs> send it to me. I'm going to send it no, to you. I would love no, to I've, read it. Okay, I, I, I wrote an article about that maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago, uh -huh. because I kind of, I know that it's said with a lot of affection, sure. that term, um, and that moniker is bestowed on people with a lot of affection, but I also feel like it's not really symbolic of the kind of deep work that a lot of ladies do and, you know, continue to do in the genre, and I feel like it's a little reductive, yeah. so, but more on that later, Um Anyway, I just think Emily is a really great actress and she was able uh, to access so many different emotions yeah. uh, within the span of, you know, two hours or an hour and a half, however long the movie is, you know, from fear to panic, to sadness, uh, to anger. And um, she was really just so deep in, in her emotional life. And uh, she went to a really special acting school in London, the, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and um, graduated from there. So she's, you know, a, a very schooled actress and, and trained actress. And um, she's been able to transfer that to the screen very effectively. And I really loved working off of her. I thought she was really terrific. 
And that's the thing I like too. Like you brought up, she has a lot of uh, emotions in this movie. She has a really mm-hmm. good emotional range and reaches mm-hmm. those places where you do have that empathy for the character. Like you brought that mm-hmm. up early on. I feel like there's yeah. a big theme of empathy in this movie right. and what the character has been gone through or what she's currently going through and having that psychological mental insight of her right. life and seeing that go on. Yeah. I, yeah. And when you realize like the end of the film is i mean the whole movie is about something that she's going through and she doesn't understand what it is and she's feeling both isolated and held captive in her apartment Mm -hmm. and she's unable to communicate effectively with people you know via phone and via zoom with me and um she's hearing voices in the apartment and you don't really know what's going on until the end it's kind of a reveal and, and and a little bit of a twist and it's shocking at the same time to know what happened and what she did. And by the time that's revealed, you really have built up, like you're saying, an empathy for this, for this person. So that when it's revealed what really happened, it's very shocking, you know, because you really feel for her. Um, So I thought it was a really, you know, she, as good as an actress as she is, um, I thought that the writing between Emily and Justin Brooks, her co-writer and co-director, and now fiance. Apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah, they just got engaged. Um, uh, was really extraordinary. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about this movie, too, is like, there's a lot to offer. There's a mm-hmm. lot of ways where you can kind of connect this within like our own lives and stuff like that. Obviously, maybe not too much to the extent of everything, but... Mm-hmm. Like I said, this movie seems very familiar. She seems like someone that you we all know, or mm-hmm. maybe it's something that we're going through where sometimes we feel lost, yeah, we don't really understand or feel captive in our own lives, right. um, not really knowing what direction we're going in or anything like that. Um, on your part, when you're filming this movie, how did it feel like were you ever in the same room with them or was it all done mm-hmm. via Zoom? No, we did it during uh the first part of the pandemic when we were all really locked in our homes and right there was no vaccine and they were just working on it at the time. And we were all very isolated from everyone else um, except for who we were living with in our family. And we were still going to the grocery store and coming back with our boxes of lettuce and wiping them off because we didn't know if we were going to get it from touching anything, you know, everybody was right. wearing gloves and right. really careful. And some people weren't even getting, going to the grocery store. They were just getting everything delivered. Um, I didn't do that because for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was falling in my, part, but I just didn't think I was going to get it from my box of lettuce. So I was continuing to go to the store and just use a lot of antibacterial gel and whatnot. But um, we did it early on in, in the, in the pandemic, as I said, and they had originally been, uh, been trying to do another film that they were going to do outside at some location uh, at some farmhouse or something. And then the pandemic happened and they thought, well, we're really ready to do our first feature. So just let's write something else and let's let's do something else and let's figure it out. So much like the guys who did host oh, that yeah. was on Shutter, you know, on those guys, right? Um, and girls, they these guys just put this together. They just thought of something to put together and they decided, okay, we're gonna shoot this in our apartment. That's our set. And um, and Justin mailed me a camera and I set it up near my computer and he showed me you know, via zoom, how to plug it in and right. sound on and everything. And I did my own lighting, my own makeup. And, um, and I was the actor and my own, I was my own camera person. First time I've ever done anything like that. 
Um, but going back to Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, they do that kind of stuff all the time, you know? Right. So, so anyway, I'm happy to learn new skills as I get older. Um, and then they filmed me uh, via Zoom on the other side. They had a camera. Uh, well, I guess they recorded me. I think they recorded me on the Zoom, but they also had another camera set up. So maybe we had three cameras. And so they were able to, you know, cut back a little bit back and forth through all of the footage. And I, you know, we had a couple of different um, powwow talks about the characters and about what they wanted to do with the film and and Emily's and my um, character's uh, relationship. And we talked about our own families and our, I'm a mom and I have two kids and, and a bonus son uh, who's my stepson. And um, we talked about her relationship with her mom. And we really talked a lot uh, about our relationship and honed in on that and changed a little bit of the dialogue and then uh, altered it really not changed but just altered a little bit of it and then we rehearsed a few times uh, on zoom and then the next day we filmed it and i was in my home so that set is my home as well that's awesome and it looked great you looked fantastic and then you did a really good, good lighting right part. yeah really I good lighting good. come on i it really great. think i did good lighting yeah no, like, i was really proud of my lighting yeah, thank and I know, you. I know, like in the, I think in the other interviews that you've said uh, after doing your next, where you kind of got exposed to a lot of filmmakers that were part of a lot of different stuff. Like you went behind the camera. There's producers. There's people who do acting that kind of yeah. dive deep into everything. So you mm -hmm. got to do a little bit more yourself too. Yeah, I mean, working on your next was the greatest gift, and I'm always thankful to Simon Barrett for that because he's the one who initially thought of me and said. Oh, I wonder if Barbara Crampton is available to play yeah. the matriarch of this family. And so I'm deeply indebted to him for that. And working on that movie was so inspirational to me because of everyone that was there. I mean, including Simon and Adam Wingard and um, Ty West and Joe Swanberg and Amy Simons. I mean, look at all those people, so and all the people. great work yeah. that they're doing. And, you know, I remember at one point when I was, um, when I was working in, in one of the scenes on your next, we had a really nice cameraman, Andrew Palermo, um, who also worked on Ghost Story. And uh, he was fantastic. But at one point, Adam grabbed the camera from Andrew and he goes, oh, I just see something I wanna shoot on my own. So he grabbed the camera from me and Andrew's like, yeah, go ahead, man. So he shot one of the takes of, of a scene that we were doing. And it was, you know, it was like, they could all, um, they could all do all so many different jobs. I mean, Typus yeah. doesn't really act that much, but you know, he's a writer and he's a director. And then, you know, Amy Simons has, has gone on to direct a movie and now she's show running a television show on Amazon and, you know, look at Adam Wingard's career. It's just incredible. Yeah. And, and Simon's made, you know, his first feature recently with seance and continues to, to write with, with uh, Adam and just, you know, do great work. And that was the start of the second round of my career. And I'm just so thankful to have been shown that, you know, uh, that you can do anything that you want to do. It doesn't matter, right. you know, how old you are, where you came from. I mean, when I was a younger actor, I just stayed in my lane. I was just an actor. If you want to call me for a job, how much are you going to pay me? Okay, I'll go and do it. And is the material great? Okay, I'll show up. But but now I feel a little bit more invested in the genre and I'm working with this company that I that helped me produce Jacob's Wife last year, Amp Films, and 
we have another movie that we just did that's going to be announced soon and some other um, projects that we're working on in development that I think we're going to hopefully be able to shoot this year. And so I'm just excited to be hanging out with everybody still uh, yeah. almost 40 years later. That's really awesome to hear because we talked about the horror community being a little bit of a family, but the casting crew is part of your family for a good chunk mm-hmm. of time too. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of like people like Host or even this movie where you guys were able to make such a great movie and a great story and feel, and maybe that's why it feels so familiar too, is because we've been on lockdown, we've been isolated, mm-hmm. and this is very much an isolated horror film as mm-hmm. well, yeah. being kind of like blocked out from the outside world and trying to get out where we all felt that way at some point during this pandemic and speaking about all the talent that you've been working with i can't wait to see what's next for all of this casting crew for this movie because i mm-hmm. think everyone just nailed it out of the park even the editing is so clear and awesome mm-hmm. and it just works so well that i can't just like i don't know i just smile every time i think about it now even especially huh. talking to you about it um yeah. i don't think i would be where i'm at now if it wasn't for movies like host or mm-hmm. Because that really showed me, it's like, wow, during the pandemic, just a group of friends made a movie mm-hmm. and it just popped off and people ended you're up right. loving it. If mm-hmm. you're going with something, try and go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've gone out of my way to become friendly with those filmmakers who made Host. And, you know, uh, Jed Shepard was in LA recently and I was down there and we hung out a little bit at, at a screening for um, for this new horror film that's coming out, Symphony. Yeah. And um, I'm Clubhouse. just... I'm, yeah, on the Clubhouse yeah. horror film and um, Sebastian Basil put that together. And mm-hmm. I'm just really, I just love the horror community and I love all these creators and it's just, it's continually inspirational to me what people are able to do and, and achieve. And I think you just have to like Emily Bennett, Justin Brooks and 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 Jed and, you know, all these new people coming up. You just, it's, this is a hard business. It's, it's it you know, it's your, it's all freelance. So you do a movie and you great. You got that one done. Got to come up with another one and got to come up with another one. It's, it's a hard business, but if you, if you keep in it for the long game, I mean, you'll have a lot of ups and downs, but hopefully you'll have more ups than, than not, you know? No, of course. And I love that there's a way for these filmmakers to become very inventive. And mm-hmm. I do feel like horror is becoming more recognized now with the pandemic for not a lot of movies have been going out to theaters, but horror's yeah. always been around. It's always been going direct yeah. to demand. It's been always indie mm-hmm. and very unseen, but now more and more people are open to it because we're stuck at home. There's nothing else we can do, but enjoy these movies. And the way people are making these movies is incredible. It's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And speaking for this movie, is there something in particular that you want viewers to take away from it? Um, you know, again, I would just try to highlight Emily and Justin because I think it's really their movie and they did a great job. And it's, you know, it's not often that you come out of the gate and make your first feature and it gets bought by somebody and goes to the theater. It yeah. doesn't usually happen that way. Usually it'll go to a film festival and maybe right. it'll get bought by somebody, maybe not. Maybe it'll just languish for a while on the film festival circuit and then show up a year or two later. And, um, you know, it without little fanfare. And so for these two to come out and tell a compelling story about this woman's journey and what's going on with her is amazing. So I, I, I want people to come away with looking at this duo and, and remembering them and, and following them, because I think, um, they have some more good work ahead of them. 
I agree. I, I love all of that. And I guess one of my last questions to ask you, and this is more of a behind the scenes type of thing. Is there one thing that you want moviegoers to know about the filmmaking process? And you can speak, uh, speak specifically with this movie. Is there anything that was like super special that people should mm-hmm. know about? Uh, I love seeing like the fun facts behind the camera or like mm-hmm. people who are involved in the filmmaking business where it's like, yeah, it takes a whole village to make a movie. Making a movie yeah. and having it made and like even like mm-hmm. you said, make it to theaters Mm-hmm. is incredible that's a that's something to worth uh celebrate mm-hmm. for and stuff like that yeah i think when you're making big budget movies um you're a little bit beholden to maybe the distributor or the executives and um with the independent horror scene which most of us are really big supporters of and mostly what i seem to be working in most of the time most of my career it's a very collaborative effort and i think everybody's voice gets to be heard, which is a really great thing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, we're working with little resources and, uh, and you also want to be able to support a filmmaker's vision for the movie because there's no executives breathing down their neck. Usually they're funding it themselves or, you know, you might get a pre-sale on something, but very few companies are giving you money in advance to make movies these days. Very few. So, so somehow you're going to have to raise the money and come up with this. And what I would say, and I, I think a lot of viewers understand this, but I think maybe some don't is that there's the highbrow horror where you have a lot of money, you know, and you might, you might have, uh, uh, you know, a, a 10 million to 20 to $100 million movie if you're Guillermo del Toro. And then you have people like where, um, you know, Adam Wingard was with your next or where these guys are. And they made this movie for very little money. Mm-hmm. And you look at a movie, you know, like Superhost that I was just in with Brandon Christensen. Mm-hmm. We made that for very little money. And sometimes you might see the DIY, like low budget um, sort of, uh, you know, rough around the edges look. And I'd like to, again, ask people to try to look beyond that because some movies don't look as polished as others because maybe we didn't have the money for that, you right. know? And, and, and so look at the intent of what the filmmaker is trying to achieve. And if you can, if you can do that, um, I think it's, it's very supportive to allow these creators to uh, be able to maybe you know, get better financing to make better movies that have a little bit more support of um, maybe some good production value, but um, be supportive of these people who are doing these low budget independent movies because they're, they're working with very little resources. So just remember that when you're watching a movie that looks DIY and maybe those special effects don't look as good as they could have. Well, yeah, if we had more money, we could have made of them. Of course, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And I, I think the creative ways that people are able to make these movies and with such a low budget and creating these awesome like stories of these great characters that we can all relate to is mm-hmm. something that's very important. So that's a really good call out to like, yeah, if something doesn't look as polished or as grand scale, Mm-hmm. don't look at that it look still has value itself. yeah look at the story yeah. and and the intent that the that the director you know and the writer and the actors are putting into look look at the intent right and, and you know like mm-hmm. i saw a movie that was very self-aware of itself called santa jaws is it mm. gonna be a fantastically great cgi movie no but it was entertaining enough where i smiled yeah. throughout right these movies are beloved for other reasons not just because of its budget 
Right. I love that you brought that up. But Barbara, I'm going to have to let you go. Oh, thank you, Freddie. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, This was a great talk. I love the movie. You guys did a fantastic job. Great congratulations to the cast and crew. Uh, I can't wait to like talk about this movie with other people and then release this episode for more people to listen and watch the movie as well. Um, Any place that we can find you at, your social medias? Um, Pretty much at my name, at Barbara Brampton, kind of everywhere, yeah. And definitely follow her because she's doing amazing work and she's very supportive and very interactive online. So I appreciate you for that and joining the horror community as best as it is. My pleasure. Thank but you. this has been Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And joined by me today was the incredible, awesome horror queen herself, Barbara Crampton. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>